Hi everyone. Today our topic is work and we're going to be thinking about how Psalm 127 verses 1 to 2 speaks into God's desire for us when it comes to work and working. What does it mean to work and how can we find satisfaction in what we do? In Enoch's sharing just earlier, we heard about his experiences working for a big multinational company. But their culture was all about driving sales and meeting bottom lines. For Enoch, he wasn't happy working there because he was treated as someone who's expected to make money and work long hours. He couldn't see a higher purpose in his work life and because of that, he decided to change. As we continue looking through these Psalms of Ascent and reframing our minds to understand what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, Psalm 127 verses 1 to 2 will help us understand work from a Christian perspective. Today, let's break up our topic into three key areas. Firstly, do we worship work or worship God? Secondly, what is work according to God? And finally, changing our perspective about work. Firstly, do we worship work or worship God? That's the question that verse 1 challenges us to reflect on. It says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. Do you worship work or worship God? A famous writer called Annie Dillard once said, How we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. For many of us, we spend our days and our lives at work. Apparently, the average person will spend 90,000 hours at work in their lifetime. 90,000 hours! I wonder how many hours it takes to binge a Netflix series. Work plays a big part in our life. For some, maybe most people, work plays the biggest part in our lives. The sheer amount of time spent at work demands most of our attention. No wonder we're seeing a trend that more and more people prefer to work part-time. Whether you're working full-time or part-time, paid or unpaid work, we know that work is important and often we associate work with our identity. When you first meet someone new, how long does it take till they ask you about what you do? Third question, second question, First question, what do you do? Oh, um, I'm a student. I'm working in retail. I make YouTube videos. I'm a pastor. I just quit my job, but I was working in a law firm. I volunteer at this place. We expect people to work in some way, even if it's caring for children or an elderly relative. The only situation we expect people not to be working at all are retirees. We believe that they've done their hard yards, 90,000 hours finally completed, so now they can rest and not do anything. Just sit back and enjoy your almond latte every day or go on holidays. Thank you for doing your service in modern Western society. Now, don't work. It's time for the younger generation to step up and start their 90,000 hours. For me, that's the culture of work and working that I was brought up in. And I'm aware that our views and values of work are still changing and it varies across generations. One thing I do think doesn't change over time is how we often link work to our identity. What we do shows who we are. So what about you? How do you see work? Do you worship it? Does it form your identity? King Solomon worked a lot in his lifetime too. 
His greatest work was probably building God's temple. Solomon wrote Psalm 127, and he probably wrote the book of Ecclesiastes too. When he looked back on his life, he felt that all the work he's done was meaningless to him. Ecclesiastes chapter 2 verses 17 to 20 says, So I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless, chasing after the wind. I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. And who knows whether that person will be wise or foolish, yet they will have control over the fruit of my toil into which I have poured my effort and skill under the sun. This too is meaningless. So my heart began to despair over my toilsome labor under the sun. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. Have you ever stopped and thought about what work means to you? Is it something you love or hate? Is work the only reason why you'll get out of bed every morning? Does your job title give you joy or a sense of superiority over others? Do you wear your title like a badge when you meet new people? When work becomes our identity, it becomes a problem. It's a problem because we're not meant to be defined by our work. Our identity is in Christ alone. But not just that. If work becomes your identity, you're on very shaky grounds. We've seen it happen with covid Overnight, a huge number of people became unemployed. The nature of our work shifted. Businesses had to adapt to survive. Our jobs, no matter what profession we're in, will always be unstable in this world. Even the day-to-day aspects of what we might love and enjoy at work could change without any notice. A new boss comes in and you don't get along well with them. A new batch of clients, students or patients are not as nice and friendly as the ones you used to work with. A new system is introduced and you have to learn everything from scratch. The term workaholism or getting burnt out is often related to how we see ourselves and our work. A workaholic is not necessarily someone who works long hours. It's someone who can't put down their work because they need work to validate their worth. Can I repeat what I just said? A workaholic is someone who can't put down their work because they need work to validate their worth. I know a workaholic. An acquaintance of mine works for a small company. Every day he goes into work at 9am, but doesn't leave work till about 8pm. Everyone else is gone by 5 or 6pm, but he chooses to stay longer because it makes him feel like a valuable asset in the company. On weekends, he carries around his work phone with him too. In his mind, he's probably thinking, I work late, which means I'm hardworking, which means I must be an important person. In Japan, the average salaryman, as they call them, are expected to work long hours and go home late. If they go home too early, like 8pm, their wives will look down on them for not contributing to their company enough, and therefore not valued by the company. So often, after work, they would go out to the pub for a drink and wait till it's much later before they go home. The younger generation, in their 20s and 30s, obviously don't share much in that value anymore. Can you see how a workaholic is someone who needs work to validate their worth? 
Some people might work long hours, but they're not necessarily a workaholic. Maybe the demands of their job require that they do work long hours. So you need to ask yourself this question. Am I a workaholic? How do I see myself in my work? Does it give me validation? Does it tell me who I am? Do I get affected if my work is threatened or I need praise and approval of my work to feel I'm important? What if tomorrow you lost your job? What if an accident happens that means you can never work in that same profession again? Perhaps you'll never be a teacher again, or you'll never be a software designer or an athlete or an investment banker again. How would you feel about that? Getting burnt out is a similar concept. Getting burnt out should be different to just needing some time off to relax, rest and go back into the same job. Getting burnt out cuts deeper into the core of who we are. We often get burnt out in our jobs because our work is no longer feeding our egos. Our identity is challenged when our work is not going the way we want. And so we might get burnt out. We start doubting ourselves. Am I capable of doing this? Am I the person I once was when I first started working here? So let's come back to the initial question that this psalm challenges us to think about. Are you worshipping your work or are you worshipping God? When work becomes our identity, one day we will also lose our identity. We will eventually lose our work, whether it be because of retirement or other unfortunate circumstances, which means we will lose our identity if we worship work. But if we worship God and see that our identity rests solely in Him alone, then we will never lose our identity because God is eternal and unchanging. That's what He means when Solomon sang, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. We are meant to work, but work should never define us or be our identity. In other words, we should never find our self-worth or be validated by our work. Working is for God's glory. And this leads us to our second focus for today. What is work according to God? The gift of work starts at the very beginning. In Genesis, before sin came into the world, Genesis chapter 2 verse 15 says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Further down the page, verses 19 to 20 says, Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them, and whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. So in the beginning, God created us in his image, and he commissioned us for work. The first humans, Adam and Eve, were tasked to take care of the Garden of Eden and to name all the animals God created. Genesis shows us that work is a good thing. Work was designed to be done in partnership with God as humanity continues to care for God's creation. But sin changed the way we view work. Because of Adam and Eve's actions, sin came into the world And in Genesis chapter 3, verse 14, God spoke three curses, one to the serpent, one to Eve, and one to Adam. 
These curses foreshadow what the consequences of sin are. And today we'll look specifically at the curse God said to Adam. In verses 17 to 19, God says, Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. God tells Adam that because of sin, he'll find pain and frustration in his working life. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. That means growing crops and cultivating fruits and vegetables will no longer come easily because the ground is cursed. It's cursed by sin and sin's impacts run deep. God said to Adam, your work will produce thorns and thistles for you. Why is that? Well, because of sin, the ecology of the earth has changed and weather systems are affected. So it will be hard to get the right conditions for growing food. Those of us living in Australia knows how drought affects our farmers. Millennials know how expensive ordering a smashed avo at a cafe is because avocados are so hard to grow. Did you know if you take an avocado seed to plant a tree, it can take anywhere from 5 to 13 years before the tree is mature enough to set fruit. 13 years! Work was meant to be a joyful task for us, but because of sin, we find frustration in our work. I don't envy avocado farmers at all. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. When was the last time you felt frustrated at work? Maybe no one appreciated the work that you do. Maybe you find that you're doing the same thing over and over again. Maybe you had to cop an earful from an irate customer. If you hate your job, don't worry. Chances are everyone you meet will at some point hate their job too. The reason is because the impact of sin runs deep. It runs deep into our earth. It runs deep into our souls, which means our interpersonal relationships are affected. And we're also battling our pride. Work was meant to be a joyful thing for us. God wanted us to work in partnership with him to look after his creation. But sin changed our world and turned us inward. Because of this, we'll never find complete satisfaction in our work. Psalm 127 verse, verse 2 echoes the curse we experience. It says, In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat. We know this experience, working endless hours for our families, for ourselves, for survival, for a sense of worth. But we know that this isn't what our life is meant to be. We know that God wants us to have joy and he wants us to have joy in our work too. It's all in vain unless it's for the Lord. So this leads us to our final focus today, changing our perspective about work. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. Solomon understood that work is a gift from God. And if we forget that it's a gift and forget that we're meant to work in partnership with God, we'll eventually find ourselves laboring in vain. Frustration, dissatisfaction and pain will creep in. We are children of God and he wants us to enjoy his creation and at the same time look after it too. For us to find joy in our work, we need to remember two things. 
Firstly, I'm working with God. And secondly, I'm working to take care of his creation. When we remind ourselves that every time we work, we're working with God, what we're doing is inviting God to be a part of our work. Remember that 90,000 hours of our life that we want God to be a part of. Secondly, Genesis chapter 2 shows us that God wants us to enrich and cultivate the environment that he's placed us in. Wherever we are, we need to work out how we can contribute to enriching and cultivating the environment and people that God has entrusted us with. In my role as a kids and youth pastor, I want to focus on finding ways that I could partner with God to enrich and cultivate the people I directly serve. Those are firstly my leaders and then the young people that, that God has entrusted us with. We're asking questions like, how can we encourage children to be more creative? And what are the current uh, needs of our teenagers and how do we make faith relevant to them? Have you ever asked yourself how you, your work can enrich and cultivate people and the environment around you? I believe everyone can find ways to do so. When we combine our passion and gifts to enriching and cultivating others, we will discover joy in our work. So it's not so much about our titles in our work, but using our gifts and talents to serve God by serving others and the world around us. You might be a healthcare worker today, but God could call you in another area of work the next. Imagine a world where we celebrated each other's gifts and passions rather than our job title. In heaven, a lot of work might become obsolete. I feel like the job of a pastor will no longer be needed, but it doesn't mean what I'm doing now has no worth um, or in the future I'll be a nobody. I know God will still use my gifts and passions in other areas. I believe that if we focus on partnering with God and finding ways to enrich and cultivate those around us, we are shifting our focus from worshipping work to worshipping God. There's one last thing I'd like to talk about in regards to changing our perspective on work. I'd like us to think about rest as a form of worship. The end of Psalm 127 verse 2 says, For God grants sleep to those he loves. In the creation account also, we know that God rested on the seventh day. Even God worked and rested. Sabbath is a huge and interesting topic to look at, so I can't go too much into detail about it today. But reading this psalm reminded me of the joy to be able to rest. Resting is a good thing, don't you agree? The ancient Greeks saw resting as an important virtue, which is probably why a lot of them portrayed Greek gods as always leisurely and resting. To be godlike is to rest. Solomon said, God grants sleep to those he loves. It doesn't mean that if you suffer from insomnia, God doesn't like you. What he means is that when we're able to center our lives to worshiping God, we will receive the peace that God so freely gives us. When we're anxious about our work, such as our performance and wanting to climb the corporate ladder, it's natural that we'll lose sleep over it. If we're always scheming about how to be better in our career to gain recognition for ourselves, our minds would never switch off. Work becomes our worship and our identity becomes wrapped around it. To rest from work is a declaration that I don't need to depend on work 
to survive. God is my, fa- my foundation and source of life. My identity rests on Him. My life is in His hands. Every day that I can work is a gift from God. Today I'm going to rest and not stress about my work. I'm going to sit back for the next 24 hours and let God enrich and cultivate me. Brothers and sisters, are you feeling a bit tired from work? Do you find that it's not very life-giving? Take a step back and give yourself some space to breathe. Sometimes a good 24 hours of rest can allow God to heal and restore your soul. Let's reset. Let's invite God to be in partnership with us as we go about our work. Let's work hard at enriching and cultivating others in our work and environment. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the gods stand watch in vain.